1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Equal Play. My name is Annie Costable and I'm your host. This week's guest is responsible for arguably the greatest draft pick in Sky franchise history. She led the organization to its first finals appearance in 2014. Coach Spartak to three straight EuroLeague titles, including a 16-0 EuroLeague record in 2010, led LSU to three Final Fours and won two SEC titles. The one and only Pokey Chapman. Thank you so much, Pokey, for joining us. Uh,
0: My pleasure, Annie. My pleasure.
1: It's great to have you on Equal Play. And, you know, I wanted to start like I do with so many of my interviews from the very beginning. And your career as a coach started following your playing career at LSU. And I wonder if you always knew you wanted to, to be a coach and, and was it an easy transition from player to coach at LSU? Wow. A couple of
0: things. Uh, I actually started coaching 10 year olds when I was in college. We're all all trying to make a little money and make ends meet. The Pell Grant didn't really stretch far enough. So I was coaching 10 year olds with this AAU program in New Orleans. And um, so that was just, you know, kind of my side hustle. But uh, if you think about it, you know, 30 plus years ago, it, you know, women's basketball coaching wasn't that job that people were were seeking. I can remember people telling me, uh, you need to get a real job. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, uh, initially, I didn't go into it thinking I would be coaching. But as I got to my junior and senior year, some things happened. The WNBA was not an option to play. And so that's how I kind of transitioned into it. And the last part of that is It was fun, but it wasn't easy because you go from playing. You think every player as a coach, they should just do whatever you did. Correct. Mm -hmm. That difficulty the first year or two was, uh, you know, a nice transition. But uh, I've loved it ever since.
1: You know, before we get into more of your career as a coach, I wonder as a player at LSU, when when there wasn't a league to aspire to continue to play in like there is now, obviously with the WNBA and and. The evolution of, of playing overseas. What was the mentality for players back then? Did you just look at college as as you know, like this this four year opportunity to to keep playing, and then you had to hang it up, or how did you approach the desire to to stay involved in the game?
0: Yeah, I think you nailed it uh, in the intro to that question. It's one of those things where when we talk about overseas now it's so prevalent correct yeah. but back then there were so few people going so few countries uh, and definitely not uh, the opportunity financially so the you know the playing basketball and aAU USA basketball and getting that scholarship that was the conduit to setting you up for uh, life after college uh, and so that was the mindset my goal was to uh uh, go to to grad school, you know, uh, and and then all of a sudden, I was presented with an opportunity to get on the coaching staff as a GA, and it kind of catapulted itself to to you know the next thirty years of my life.
1: I think everyone's stories about the origin of of the WNBA are so interesting. It's it's just it always blows my mind every time I talk to somebody new when when they speak about you know how they first heard about the league coming into existence where they were etc so for you when when you first started hearing talks about the establishment of the WNBA mm-hmm. were you interested at all in playing where were you when you first heard about the league like what was your take on, on on the WNBA and and it finally being established
0: yeah you know there was about a 5 6 year gap in between that so I went from playing uh, to not playing basketball competitively. Uh-huh. But I was a GA and I was the, the last assistant uh, on Coach Gunner's staff. And so I had a decision to make um, at that point in time. And, and honestly, um it, it really wasn't that big of a decision. I five years felt like 10 for uh-huh. my level of expectations and to be ready uh to present, you know, a package of skill set for the WNBA. So I actually um you know just got on board of being a big supporter, proponent, advocate of the league, uh, even though I wouldn't get I wouldn't be able to play in it. So uh yeah, that's kind of where my mindset was
1: when the league played its first season, did you start to to mold a, a, a list of goals or expectations for yourself as coaching in the league? Was that was that on then your radar as, as one day, you know, joining the league as a coach? You no, know, I, I think
0: uh, it was so new to the, the world, let alone uh-huh. sport, let alone women's sports. Uh, it's one of those things where, You're just hoping and praying that this small league can impact the world. Okay. Uh And so you don't necessarily start out with it being a list, but this is what you know is that it's a higher level, but then we couldn't really compare it to the NBA, Correct. So at that point in time, my main goal was to, you know, promote this, grow this, get players ready for this. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking that's going to help it grow. uh, if There's these quality of players here. And it wasn't until later on, you know, when you start looking at um you know just the impact that the league had the visibility especially those first few years when they were you know giving out those big lucrative marketing contracts to players and it was everywhere uh you hoped it would continue so uh, Mm -hmm. it wasn't on my initial list uh but of course like anything else it's basketball it's a higher level so it's always in the back of your mind
1: absolutely and your jump from LSU to coaching overseas then led to obviously your opportunity with the Chicago sky, but, you know, coaching overseas, how did that prepare you for, for that opportunity with Chicago back in, you know, 2010, 2011, um, when you, when you first started with the sky?
0: Yeah. You know, the preparation was, was their pros, right? So uh, the motivation, you don't, it's not needed, (laughs) Uh, a curfew is not needed. you're uh, <laughs> oftentimes trying to tell them to take a day off and that's a seismic shift right because now it's not about four years it's about forever in some of these players' minds so that's the mind shift but then the the mechanical uh shift and positive part of Europe was it prepared me because I thought the European game was so far ahead of um uh, in terms of pace and space and Uh, positionless, you know, at that time, you know, post players were bringing up the ball. Everyone played different positions. So it really helped me uh, expand the game offensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, and it's hard for people to remember this, but, you know, back when I drafted Deladon, there were barely any stretch fours. Right. right? And now we have stretch fives and that wasn't any novel concept. It's just what I was in the midst of right In, in Europe. And so it was a natural progression of trends. And it just got me ready for that player development piece with these players who are chomping at the bit to get better every single day without limitations.
1: We have to start with your first move or or I guess the public's first knowledge of, of your first move as the head coach with the Chicago Sky and and that was your selection of the one and only Courtney Vandersloot and you and I have obviously talked about that selection multiple times and and I've I've loved listening to your take on on that pick and and what Sloot has meant to the organization but I want to revisit it so when when you go back to 2011 can you share with us how sold you were on, on selecting Sloot with the third overall pick from, you know, zero to a hundred percent? What how, how much you knew and how much confidence you had in, in taking her at number three?
0: Yes. You know, um, it was a hundred percent. And if people didn't follow it, uh, you would say, oh, of course now you can say that. But if you think right. about Chicago being, uh, you know, an expansion team, per se, at the time, Uh rebuilding, tried to solidify some spots. Uh, Sill was there. That's the one bookend. And you needed that point guard, the other bookend, to propel it. And, you know, I I don't know if you remember, but Sleuth had a really big offensive onslaught during the tournament. Uh And that's what Joe Public saw. But the things that you're looking at when you're drafting a player is, you know, you're looking at games when they're playing against opponents that are athletic, big, small, just these different uh, opponents. And there was just something about her that I I, I, I knew I could enhance, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but she was just was innate. And it was when the court would shrink. It's like the game slowed down for her and she didn't panic. She had so much poise in the paint. For someone so small, and you know, she didn't even realize that at the time. But my point of that is, she just her vision, her 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 pace, the things that everyone's talking about today. It was like, wow, this kid, you know, she has it. And so, uh, just from that standpoint of a bookend of another franchise player that could be there uh, to, to to sort of build around. And uh, maybe I'm biased because I played the point, but I know how important those things are. And some of the other things I figured hey, I can teach her, but her vision and her feel in close proximity, that's on her.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because when she came into the league or I guess this isn't funny, but from talking to her, like she said in her after her first year in the league, she thought she couldn't hack it, which is just so wild because (laughs) it's like, what? You can't we can't imagine the league without Courtney VanderSloot. So going back to 2011 and then obviously, you know, Tisha joined the sky and and you've spoken about Tisha's, you know, involvement in in Courtney's growth. What can you say about how Courtney dedicated herself to making sure she'd be successful in the WNBA? Listen,
0: I wasn't going to say that. And it kind of warms my heart to hear her admit that. Right. And uh, part of it was that speaks to uh, not her lack of confidence or skill set. It speaks to the the heavy weight that is that position, uh-huh. right? Because you have to know it all yesterday, and it's thankless, right? Right. So you you feel you feel the weight of that, and I think part of it was I, I said, listen, I said, well, I said you did your job of getting here. Now the rest is up to me to help you, uh-huh. right? And. Well, she really you know, We had some struggles. Uh, I mean, she had some struggles just because it's so much to absorb. And I'll say this. And here's another storyline, because they're married now. <laughs> I, I think when, when Allie was there, Allie had gone through so many teams and, you know, she wanted to quit when she was in Hungary. But then she got the passport and her work ethic uh, was a perfect thing for Sloot. And don't misunderstand me. Sloot worked hard. Yeah, but Ali was so had been a pro so much longer, so it was really regimented. And I, I think as she began to discover and feel that people around her, not coaches, but players, just enjoy playing with her and what she brought to the table. I mean, her chest can, can stick out now, and so it's it's a wonderful thing to see.
1: Yeah, you know that brings me to you know another important move that you made, and that was signing Allie Quigley, and obviously. You know, you just spoke about the impact that Allie and Courtney have had on each other playing together, but obviously everything Allie brought to the sky. It, it, she's another player that it's impossible to imagine the sky or talk about the sky's success without talking about Allie Quigley. And she was a player you knew you wanted to sign. So, can you take us back to to signing Allie and what you saw in her that? That maybe other teams didn't, you know, she was she was making all these jumps between different teams in, in the WNBA and, and contemplated ever playing in the league again. And 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 what made landing with the sky the, the right fit for her?
0: Listen, I'm not doing myself <laughs> in any good here, but uh, it's one of those things where and, and, and I know people are going to talk about this more and more because uh-huh. you, you mentioned it about Sloop. you know, it's the work they keep putting in. And, and, I, and I I like to make people pause and think about Allie out of the DePaul and which, what her game represented. And then three years later, keep adding a couple of years to it. And she kept adding different components to her game. Uh-huh. She's always been athletic and quick, even though she's thin and short. Right. But she uh-huh. always had that. So then she's not just catch and shoot. Now she's off the dribble. You know, now there's some situations where they punch her in a post or they isolate her on the wing. Mm -hmm. And while she's adding those different components, her range is increasing inch by inch and her, you know, her, her shot, she's releasing it a lot quicker. So it's that part specifically, you know, I was in Europe and I didn't just use WNBA, you know, her little spots here and there. I'm watching this young lady uh, play in Euro cup, then Euro league. And I'm watching her game evolve. And I actually thought I was late to the party when I called (laughs) her to, uh, to, to sign her because I've heard over the years, people say, Oh, maybe, you know, she got invited to training camp and that
1: that
0: makes for a good story. But no, I I was actually thinking I was late when I called and there was no one else. And And sometimes it's so unfair. You know, maybe people say, well, she was on four different teams. And I'm thinking to myself, there's always a spot for a shooter in my mind, <laughs> right? right? Especially with a team that's trying to build and it was the easiest free agent signing ever and that's because she just widened the gap on her skill set and mm. it just kept getting bigger and bigger.
1: You know, it's just so wild because your vision it's is all over the sky and all over their championship that they just won and When you're talking about Allie, you know, she she played for the for the Mercury at one point in her career. And then her and Courtney were played against, obviously, the Mercury in that in that final series back in 2014. And then they're back in it in 2021. So looking at the championship from your perspective of, you know, having coached the sky and having coached these players through those those moments specifically, what what was your take on, on the significance of this championship for them?
0: Yeah, you know, I actually spoke to Sloop. or maybe we text, I can't remember, prior to, you know, she was dropping dimes and <laughs> some of the accolades that she so, you know, rightfully deserved. And I, I, I can probably look in my phone, but I just remember saying, because that's, you know, cool little storyline, right? That the, they met in the finals. And I'm thinking to myself, Hell, that was so long ago. And I was and I said, I said, Sudie, you were a baby. Now you're doing boss things like it's it's not even close to being the same. Right. You know, and, and from a standpoint of I like the storylines, but it was from the standpoint of, no, th- this is this is yours. uh, You know, that was Penny Taylor. That was, you know, Bonner, Candace Dupree, like this little role reversal here and rightfully so, you know, seven years later, yeah. you put in the work and there's, there's pieces around you, you know, from, from James to assistant coaches to copper. Hello. Oh my gosh. <laughs> copper, know, Come on. You know, and, 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 and that's another one and, 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 you know, she's someone else that I like and heard of Benaj and Laney because they both had to play the four when uh-huh. Rutgers, when Rutgers had all those injuries, you know, uh drafting uh-huh. them. But anyway, I just thought it was their time. So it was they were the better team overall uh for this championship.
1: Yeah, it's it was so exciting to to witness it and 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 see kind of that that role reversal in ter- terms of who those two teams were back in 2014 and then who they were in, in 2021 and, and the growth of Courtney and Allie specifically was, was super exciting to, to pay attention to and, and witness and Allie in game four, you talk about her release. I mean, she is like lightning.
0: People think coaches are biased. It's like, yeah, yeah we're biased to winning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, not necessarily to, to people, but um, yeah, I, I think she is. For 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 all those reasons you talked about.
1: Obviously, there there's some some exciting news taking place in the league right now, and that there's two big coaching vacancies, one in, in New York with the Liberty, and the other with the Phoenix Mercury. And and you obviously are are a candidate that that people continue to talk about as being, you know one of the best options for, for either of these positions. And so I wonder if Hogi, if you could share with us at all, if, if you've interviewed for either of those positions, are you interested in either of these positions? What's happening with you in terms of, of your next opportunity as a head coach?
0: Yeah. You know, listen, I say this all the time coaches, you know, we entertain coaching opportunities. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 52. So maybe there's some that I, I won't, be considered for I won't ever consider, but as it relates to those specifically, you know, uh, I I, I think I did a decent enough job to at least be on the radar. And I think those teams, you know, because it is late in the game in terms well, maybe it's not late. I don't know. December, uh, they're going through their lists and, and mulling through some things. So, um, uh, hopefully I'm going to remain on that list and see how things go. Uh, I think there's no rush to those, those things, but of course I'm interested, in uh, coaching in the best women 's basketball league in the world, so we'll see
1: and the mercury specifically I mean you obviously have experience with a lot of those players overseas so so when you think about the potential of of coaching some of those players again, what do you see from that team as far as having the potential to to be in in the running for a title next season? yeah
0: you know, listen, they were in the finals last year, uh-huh. you know so You look at a a remarkable job that they've done as a franchise. You look at the job they've done uh, as players from overcoming injuries, slow start, the whole nine. And they've been a a championship winning program. So I think the expectations are always there. Right. Uh, And and so I think it remains there. What's interesting about the league right now is with the, with the new money and CBA, there's going to be a lot more movement, you know, with players, uh, having a voice and maybe demanding, wanting to be other places, there'll be a lot more movement. So I think that in and of itself may make it a little bit more difficult. But when I think about, you know, the Mercury over the last nine, 10 years, they're, they're always winning. Right. <laughs> so I, w- I wouldn't expect anything else. And, you know, and I, I I say that as a compliment to everyone, you know. uh how Kia Nurse goes out and they're still in the finals, right? He right. plays, I don't know how much, half the year, but then you look at, People kind of I always put Grinder in a boat of big seal, like they dominate so much you sometimes don't appreciate it enough and it's taken for granted. But I think the key was Skylar Diggins seamlessly, you know, making her way an impact on there. So I think they're always gonna be a team that's gonna contend because that's the expectations.
1: Man, Skylar diggins Smith had a year, like it her her play, it's so exciting to to think about what she's going to bring to the league in years to come. It, it it was an incredible year watching her play this year.
0: Yeah, it was. And, you know, even, you know, watching her, uh, you know, break down the game. Right. I, I loved that. You know, yes, I'm biased. I'm a coach. Yes, I'm a point guard, but I think with, you know, the way the game is evolving and, the, you know, the the offense being initiated by so many different people, it's good stuff for everyone involved, you know, just the different layers and levels of reading, pick and roll and spacing and defensive rotations. I think that has always been a staple mainstay and separating factor of the women's game and its purity and its intellect, along with the athleticism and beauty that it brings.
1: We just touched on, on the Phoenix vacancy and obviously New York is the other and One player with, with a sky connection, a pokey connection is Benajah Laney. You drafted her. her, her, her. (laughs) She's incredible. And and also, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this. I interned for the sky during the 2015 season. So I know B pretty well too. And, you know, when you picked her in the 2015 draft or ahead of the 2015 season, what did you see in her game that, (laughs) that, you know, we're all or, or people are all seeing now, but you saw even even back then.
0: Listen, I I, I can't pretend I would see her dominating. Uh, she was a I think I picked her 17th. Uh, 50, yeah, I think I picked, picked her 17th. Now, I, I mentioned earlier it, that year, her senior year, I think Copper was a year after her. Uh, uh-huh. She uh, Vivian had a co-stringer, excuse me, had a, a lot of injuries to post players. Uh-huh. So at some point. She and Copper were playing four and five. So by default, you know, they're playing small ball. And, you know, of course, they come to Northwestern and they're playing and I could walk out my apartment and go watch them. And it was this is what it was. Her basketball pedigree from her mom and levels. Right. Of expectations. But she just had this grit about her. Her ball handling wasn't there. Her range wasn't there. But she had this way about her. And she carried herself like. I mean, hell, her rookie season, she carried herself like she was a fifth or sixth year player, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I just, you just could always tell that Coach Stringer produces pros mm-hmm. that can adjust to whatever situation are in and they have a life in this league. Um, and it was just that mentality about Benijah. Uh And at the time I'm thinking, man, she could play some four, she could play some three, but honestly she was guarding every position on the floor. hmm uh, and then once you got her, you're like, oh my god, it, it's times three, you know. Even even to the point to where years later, when she was out of the league, you know, suffering, you know, little injuries and stuff like that, I brought her back to Indiana, and I was happy as heck. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wow. I mean, it's kind of like the alley thing. I'm like, wait, wait, you're available? Okay. You know, like a no brainer. Well, but then mind you, you know, Kurt Miller had her and there's some cap issues and and, and all of that. But I mean, I was just excited uh, to have that in the locker room and on the court because she's just a winner and an amazing teammate and representative of the league and, and whatever franchise she's on.
1: Definitely. You know, you just touched on your your time in Indiana. And I wonder, looking back on that experience, what what was your biggest takeaway from your years in, in Indiana and and is there anything that, that you would have done differently during your time with the fever?
0: Well, I think I can look back on any situation and, and, and say some something differently. I don't know if, what was unique about Indiana was that Kelly Kroskoff, you know, hired me because she had never gone through a rebuild uh-huh. in history. And, um, and she equated me going to Chicago and, and rebuilding and player developing with Young to that. So it was instrumental in that regard. Uh, now the intrigue was, this was unique. This was different. You know, it was a blow it up to build it up. Uh-huh. And, and that was, uh, I had not done that uh, and I, I was okay with it. So it was intriguing. The, the The second part of it was I was attracted to the job because I, I could just coach and not be the GM. Right. right. So, you know, uh, after that first year and Kelly goes over to the, um, the Pacers. Prior to that, you know, she said, "Look, I need you to oversee this," and so I became the GM. So it was, you know, part intrigue, and I'm I'm happy with the draft picks. Uh, it was a unique experience, you know. From Kelsey Mitchell, we know the game is speed,
1: right? right. <laughs> we right. know it's, it's
0: shooting. I think Tara McCowan, even though there aren't many bigs, she was just so special. You you right. have to have that anchor. You know, so I, I, I was I was pleased with the progress we were making, but more importantly, with the money that was still left on the table to get better. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, there's new leadership and they want to go in a different direction. You know, that's part of it. Uh, high risk, high reward uh, jobs that we're in. Right. And, uh, I'm sure they'll be fine.
1: You know, you, you just mentioned the, the dual role of, of head coach and GM, and and you did that with the Sky, and obviously the man in charge now, James Wade, has an exciting free agency period ahead of him that includes unrestricted free agents in, in Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley. And there's, there's so much conversation about what will happen, what the future holds for both of them. Allie has contemplated retiring, which is absolutely impossible to even think about. And, and Courtney, for the first time in her career, has, has you know said, I'm open to free agency and everything that it entails. And obviously, having coached her through free agency, you know in the past and have said in the past how quickly she, she re-signed with this guy. So given that this is a little bit of a different scenario in that she has a ring now, what, what's it going to take to get Sloop back in a, in a sky jersey from your perspective?
0: <laughs> she has two rings, a wedding ring and a championship ring. You know? <laughs> I, think, I think sometimes people forget that aspect of these athletes' existence yeah. uh, in terms of family and future. And, and it's not a bad thing. Uh, and and it, it, it's actually a positive thing. Um, so I, I think it shows the growth of Slootie, the individual, uh uh, weighing options and recognizing who I am but more importantly where I am and it's not it's not an ego thing I don't think it's like hey I'm not that little kid anymore let me think this through uh I I would think you know and I have no idea of this you know you 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 built it you know and if you're towards the end I'll set this thing in here Uh, that would be my initial thinking but That's just us on the outside looking in. And like you said, Allie's a little bit older. Maybe she wants to retire. Maybe she wants to have a a family. You just never know. It's just interesting that now there's money on the table and opportunities um, because they've done so well that maybe they won't go overseas. So maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a different aspect of it. Uh, I'm just happy that they realize their worth. They, uh, and uh, it will be reciprocated by many teams, especially the ones that they brought the first championship to. And it should be fun and exciting times. And here's why, because players want to be on the team with a Slootie in the alley. Mm-hmm. They make you better. They challenge you. And uh, that's a win-win Forever wherever they go.
1: Not even focusing on one specific player, but free agency as a whole. After a mm-hmm. championship s- season, this re-signing players, I imagine, is... is- is really hard because, especially for a player like Kalia or everyone, you know, when you have a championship season, obviously players are having breakout seasons or 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 seasons that are proving th- their value anywhere in the league, like they're hot commodities. So, from your uh, experience as a general manager, how challenging is it going to be to to bring back all the key players um, following a championship season?
0: Yeah, I mean it's challenging because he needs some more money, right? Right. Uh, (laughs) It's that part. Uh, It's challenging because it tells you that your roster, and you can pat yourself on the back for this, you know, Sky organization. Your roster is loaded, and that's not by accident; it's by design. Mm -hmm. And and part of that, it, it, it fades out because there's only so much to go around. So, at what point you're building for, you know, the next two to four years? Uh, and so you have to narrow that list of all the players you, you really wish you can keep, but the few that you need to keep, uh, for that next phase of, you know, older players phasing out. But you mentioned copper and my God, that bag is secured. Oh my gosh. Name is crazy. And and, and listen, you know, know what was interesting is how she got to the sky. You know, and, and a trade, right? Uh, and, and no, you know, we, we forget about that, right? I don't, but I, because I, I know the kid and people. Well, that people that know her and just watching her be an additional piece and blow it out the water. I mean, on a team that has all stars and record breakers and best shooters and this, right? and, she, and, and, and here's why because she plays both sides of the basketball and she impacts every facet of the game, regardless if her shot's falling or not. And look, yeah, she, she's, she's going to be a tough one. Everybody's going to be after her.
1: You know, another thing I love about Copper's game and, and being able to cover her is, is the way that she, she plays like you just, you just mentioned both sides of the ball, but But like on a personal level, her commitment to the game and her humble approach, she she no matter how big she got this year, it never got away from her the value of of showing up every day with that same same approach. And it's it's awesome to see because, you know, another player, Don Staley from from North Philly, it's like that Philly energy was so felt and so visible and so engaging for fans to be able to feel that as well.
0: And, you know, what, I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning that. And then that's something that can be promoted and put out there because that is what separates, you know, the the good from great to the goats. And, you know, th- those are diff- different tiers of that. And she seems to have it all uh, against all odds, you know, to make her mark on a team that's you know, loaded with so much talent. I'm happy for her, and I and I hope that side of her gets told, and the rest of the world can see, not just basketball world.
1: Right. I think it will continue to get told because it's just impossible to ignore her. Her energy is impossible to ignore, and when when you're you have the privilege of covering her every day, it's it's absolutely impossible to ignore. Wrapping up here. You know, you mentioned some of the players that Copper played alongside. One of them is is Candace Parker. You know, she made that huge move, came home. And again, from your coaching perspective, can you speak to the significance of a player returning to their home market, that home market being Chicago, and in your first year there winning the championship? Like that's that's a, a movie. That's a a book. It's it's hard to it's just it's impossible to even really fully grasp the the greatness of of doing it the first year there.
0: Yeah. And I think it speaks to the obvious timing, but it also speaks to a franchise being ready. Right. To receive her and needing to receive her because she ain't going home to suck, right? <laughs> right let, let, let's get real, right? <laughs> the home would have still been L.A., right? So, right. and I say that as it, it, a credit. And, you know, you're, you're, you're watching, you know, you're know, you watching Courtney Vandersloot make players better because she's hitting them when they're not even open. Mm. You're know, watching Allie make someone better because this post needs so much room to operate and Allie's got the floor space or her man had to help. And so Candace, you know, uh, well, sometimes people forget. I think they're seeing now because she's on TV and talking about the game and they can see her intellect. All those great players have that in common. Mm-hmm. You, know, you take LeBron, you take Candace, you take a D, you take a Sue. You, yeah, we can do all that. But their mind is, is magnificent.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: also along with that is Candace is really confident because she's put in the work. She's played against the best. She's seen injury. She's been without the game. And so, and she's older in the sense of knowing what a team needs. There wasn't a panic when she hurt her ankle and, you know, they lost some games. She's like, chill, right? Right. <laughs> it's still whatever month it was. I don't even know what month it was. And you never saw that, you know, even when she was getting herself back in shape. Uh, and so I just think it's so fitting because I, i think when i took the job in chicago i want to say someone in, in management told me that candace's mom actually worked for this guy
1: oh my gosh time. i didn't even know that oh, i gotta okay. hit so sarah check up
0: oh, yeah check. i don't know i don't know if it was volunteer when they were getting the the the, the, the franchise going but uh-huh. in some capacity yes she was so i just smile at all of that and uh i'm happy for you know the franchise obviously and also candace Uh, And I know she just had some big news she announced a few days ago. Yes. Um, So how fitting, man, what a storybook.
1: I know. I mean, it, it, people were, were tweeting, sharing, posting. It's like, how could her year get any better? And then she drops that news on us. So 2021 has certainly been an exciting year for Candace and her entire family. You know, one thing that I find so interesting about the WNBA is, is, the lack of back-to-back championship champions. Obviously, the Comets did it in in the first four years of the league and, and the LA Sparks. But since then there's been no repeat champions. And now the Sky are are going into their defending year. And of course, James is gonna say, you know, we're we're gonna be back. Like we'll be back playing for another title. You know, no coach is gonna say, Oh yeah, we won one, like we're we're chilling now. But the reality is it's so hard to get back there. So what makes it so hard to get back there in the WNBA? It seems like this league above any else, it's it's just extremely challenging. I think
0: it's because the growth of the game and skill set of so many players keeps elevating. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it th- that's what I think about, um, the, the, difficulty of it. Then you think about, you know, there's good coaching in the league and there's, there's adjustments. Uh, I think that think there's some small part of it where you, you have to make sure the injury bug doesn't hit at the wrong time. You know, a sprained ankle could mean, you know, two days or two games, which mm-hmm. can be a, a seating. Uh, but the competition level has picked up, you know, on any given night, 12 could be one by double digits. Uh, so, I think that makes it difficult. But now, with there's been so much movement, you know, significant movement over the last, you know, six, seven years. Every now and again, there's one or two things that would make a splash. Now, it's like if there's not a splash in movement, people are like, what the heck is going on? So, all of those things uh, make it difficult, uh, even for a defending champ. Uh, you're the hunted now, uh, people are at different phases in their career. Right. Uh, but yeah, you know, and look, James is a confident guy and he should be. And it, they, they play an attractive style of ball um, that could warrant, you know, some some people coming in to join. But uh, it'll definitely be difficult uh, to do, but it's going to be fun.
1: I know this is just you speaking as fan of the game and, and, and not having, you know, spoken to Sloot or Allie. But if you had to predict, are, th- <laughs> are they are they going to be back in sky jerseys next year?
0: If I had to predict and I haven't spoken to him, I, I would have <laughs> I, I, I haven't and I, I would have to bet on yes. Uh, you know, it's the place they know. It's the place they built. It's the place where Allie lives. You know, why not? Right. I think there have to be a seismic shift. Now, I'm sure this will blow up somewhere, and <laughs> fall but you, you just you know this is just me being a fan right. right now. But also from the standpoint of I I put my you know you know basketball coaching hat on too. Like you you don't want to go start somewhere else with new stuff at this right. point. We figured this stuff out. Let's 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 make it happen <laughs> and right. roll up to the sunset. So that's what I'm going. But they'll stay.
1: Yeah, listen, I think fans will love to hear that. And I know people are throwing around the possibility of Seattle. And and so either way, this is going to be an entertaining couple of months for WMBA fans in general. Right. So I, I love that take. But last question for you, I, I always try and end with this question because the minds that I, I've had the privilege of speaking with on this podcast are just so incredible. And and you are, are no exception to that. And so to you, I ask, What's your hope for the future of women's sports and women in sport? Yeah, you
0: know, I, I'm, I'm on the board for We Coach, And it's, you know, it's this ar- tremendous organization. And uh, there's so many things available to prepare the next generation of female coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all sports, like I said, uh, specifically the women's basketball. I hope there's expansion to absorb the talent of the best basketball players in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that they don't have to separate their lives to to possibly make this dream work for a few years, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm hoping that will come with exposure. And uh, you know, some some of these organizations won't need to exist because we don't have to push it. We can just sit back and 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 pat ourselves on the back and cheer for it. So that that's my hope. I, you know, I, I want there to be 24 teams.
1: Well, Pokey, I again, you know, can't thank you enough for for joining us on on Equal Play, and you know, I'm excited to see what what happens for you and in, in your future as a head coach in the WNBA or or a head coach in general. I appreciate that, Annie, and and, and shout
0: out to you. Uh, you know, you talked about 2015, and here you are still. <laughs> no, here you are still hustling to promote and push you know, this incredible game of ours, even when it's met with a lot of resistance and lack of interest. So know it doesn't go unnoticed. And thank you for that.
1: You know what 2015 I, I my friends we all joked about it this year because they remember when I was an intern and they were like, what like you just What? You were an intern in 2015 and now you just covered the championship. That's that's wild. So it for sure has been a fun journey and I haven't taken a second of it for granted. So thank you for saying that, Poki.